morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I threw Gabe for a loop. I pointed at I him. I wasn't ready. No, I know you weren't. I, I threw you I off. Had one. If you told me, I, w- I was thinking of one that I, I wanted to do. Okay. Let's Cue the music, game. Zach. Cue the music. Fighting out of Guadalajara, Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Honey Hole Hangout. I liked it. That was good. That was yeah. a good one. That was yeah. good. Um, that worked out perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that one. Welcome to Honey Hole guys. We have a great show for you today. Uh, this is our last of our pre-recorded interviews from the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival and uh, Trout Fest. Yeah. And we have Pierce from Wet Net Outfitters. Wet Net Outfitters. In Montana. Yes. And Pierce was a hilarious guy. Oh, man, he was a hoot. So That was great. That's going to be a great interview for you guys. But before we get to that... A note from our sponsor, Honey Hole Angling. Hey! Amazing. Oh, man, amazing. give it up. Round of applause every time it does, guys. Give it up to Honey They support Hole. us with their paycheck. No, I think it's just amazing that you guys have, I mean, for how many episodes where you guys had gotten so much content from from just that weekend out there? I mean, I feel like yeah. it was like months ago. So it was oh, awesome. Yeah. Big it was, yeah, it was people that, that It was months. worth the work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was busy. But we've been enjoying it. Yeah, I know it was great. We've and been it, cruising. Yeah. Cruise time is over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we, now have, we to have to get work. some guests, and we have a guest next week. So, uh, but cruise time is over. No, no, I'm pretty excited. Sorry for for missing last week. Thank you very much. It's running with last kids two stuff. weeks technically. Last two weeks, yeah. What? We recorded two episodes without you in one week. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's okay. The yeah. second one though, we've got some fantastic. Or yeah, I guess last week's episode we had some fantastic self help tips. On safety. On safety. Yeah. Well, I just, I just kind of like to see what happens. Yeah. yeah. No, it's different. It's a curveball. It is. Me and me and Zach were like, first, uh, the first episode we rolled through because we talked about our trip on the Guadalupe with you. Yeah. Yeah. Which was fun, and I just want to throw it out there that I don't want to be known as the trash king. Trash fish king. Trash. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to let you guys know, as, when going out there and you're nymphing that you know I'm just doing a, such a good job that all those fish just. They want to I mean, eat. I was literally like pushing them off in self defense, all the fish that were trying to get onto my hooks. Mm. It was just like, you know, it was ridiculous. If you are a good Euronympher, I am a good Euronympher. If you are a good Euronympher, you would know when not to set the hook when it's a trash fish. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just saying. Oh, uh, that feels like a catfish I'm now. I'm just going to go ahead and say that uh, I was doing something else, and I just threw my line in the water. <laughs> and then just, that's that's like, how you always <laughs> catch the catfish. Yeah, it's it's, always, it's near it never. wasn't my fault. <laughs> it's not that like all my flies are pretty awesome. They just bring in all, yeah. all of the leaves. You're, you're in a, that feels like a catfish bite. I'm not yeah, going to no, set the I'm not going to set the Not a tree, hook. not a tree. Not, I, I will set yeah. 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 But that was a fun trip. I Thank you guys for joining me on there. No, I, that was dude, Thanks for inviting us. Dude, we, we hammered fish that day. And it was kind of funny, like just walking back. It was like, eh, do I want to cast? Nah, I already, mm. like, I already got my, I already got my mm. fill for this. You can't day. complain if you catch so many fish. You're like, oh, I'm done casting. For the I think day. we, I mean, we did everything. We caught, we caught fish off the bat. We caught fish and retired. Uh, Zach losing all those flies to those trees, and especially his last little pink. Uh, what was that? Where did you get stuck in there? Brunch money. Brunch money. But I yeah. saved it. You did. You did. Yeah, and that one's not going anywhere. And Unless it's like that video exploded on our platforms, by the way. Really? Yeah. People want to see me swimming, <laughs> <laughs> get, get taken off all this stuff. Also, I was thinking it. about it, and my favorite part of the whole day, the my favorite thing was when your daughter was like swimming, 
Also, I have two comments to make. Yes. One, I'll start with this. Uh, you know, your daughter was like playing the river, doing her thing, super sweet, super cool. But she made like a little like rock out, she outcropping, did. and she like put some little minnows in there. And then before yeah. we left, you're like, you need to put the rocks back where you found them. Yeah. So she was not part of the like rock stacking. No, and at, she like, released the minnows. And no, she, and she released she the knows, minnows. Yeah, usually just like yeah, like just leave the river how you found it. I thought that was great. Uh, yeah. Thing number two, she had the little water gun where she soaked up with water, yeah. and she put it in the mud and soaked it up, and then sprayed <laughs> it. And you were like, "Oh, looks like look, looks like Taco Bell." <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we try to have fun. She's, she's been out there some of the times, and she's you know she's got her stuff, and um, yeah, she was. What did she catch them on? Uh, what was it? Uh, goldfish? Che- Cheetos. 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 This time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cheetos this time. Or, no, yeah. no, it was Gold, goldfish. It was goldfish. Yeah. It was goldfish. Catching fish, catching minnows on goldfish. Goldfish. Uh, but yeah, she loves going out there and, and checking stuff. So and then telling me what the colors are. And she's like, "You need to tie them these this way because this is what the colors were for, for those." Fish. Hey, you know what? That's yeah. not a bad idea. No, and I've done that before. Looks like she had pictures. a great time. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got some pictures where you know stuff I I've tied looking looking at it to to, to match it. Um, but uh, but for whatever reason, she's getting over a little uh, issue with June bugs. Cause it's that time of the year where they're just flying erratically and mm-hmm. never uh, put one on your belly button. Hey, <laughs> 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 <They> burrow! <laughs> in case you guys didn't know, uh, so why did you put one yeah, in your belly button? Why would you put one? Why wouldn't you put one in your belly button? Because they burrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because you're you know you're twelve, thirteen years old with your brothers, and you're on the pool, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, everybody, let's each grab a June bug and put it in our belly buttons. Except the person who suggested it has an Audi, so he doesn't have far to go. Like an Audi belly button. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so the rest of us are like, oh, God, it's burrowing into my soul. But we got it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We had to go to the hospital. Like, yeah, no hospital. Unfortunately, no hospital. You know. Out of all, like, out of all the insects. Isn't that like alien, though, or something? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah like. Chest burst. The, uh, yeah, oh, not no, belly no, button. No, no, no. Uh, Matrix. Matrix. Oh yeah, because of yeah. the belly button. Belly button. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, try to recreate the matrix. But yeah. I feel like I feel like June bugs are like nature's drunk, like drunk uncle. Oh yeah, I I don't care about June bugs at all. I'm like, yeah, you do you do you, June bug. Yeah, and so that's what I was trying to tell her. I'm like, why are you so scared of these things? Yeah, because you should put one in your belly button and show them that there's nothing to fear. <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah, nothing to fear. <laughs> no, but she's a good. She she likes being out there and. And, uh, and yeah, so, and it's a cool spot. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, that whole area is just beautiful. And, and again, I, I think that was just a fun trip. We did well and, and then we ate well. It was a good day. It was yeah. a good, good day. It was a good day. I could go fish with y'all. Wife and kid were there, so they're happy. And then, you know, a good meal. Good meal at the end. We still got home before whatever. Dark, yeah. al- almost before dark. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was a good time. And we caught, we caught a good Good amount of fish. And then even with that, that spook that you were throwing, that was pretty that cool. That was fun to watch. Yeah. You know, I was thinking of us some ideas, too, this this week on on some other things to tie up for. Um, but, yeah, it's just, there's such a, that's just a cool spot. I really love fishing that area. Yeah. Um, You guys, did you guys have a good week? Anything interesting going on fishing-wise? Nothing fishing-wise. No, didn't you go with a buddy, though? Again? A couple months ago. Oh, a couple months ago. That wasn't it. wasn't another fishing trip. No, we've just been because he's been meaning to get into it since we went, and I've been helping him like pick out his gear Equipment. And, and stuff like that. And he finally got his his rod, and he's excited for it. So it comes in hopefully in the next couple of days, and nice. then, then we'll go out. But yeah, I was I, I was just trying to think like you know we the your own anything part was fun. I just wanted to go and and just throw some heavy stuff. But uh, but like I said, after seeing some of the poppers that you know, that that spook, 
and and then you know wheels turning like, yeah. man i gotta go back to the vice and do this this and that yeah and and to go to go back out there but i want to go there and and then um i want to go back out to to camp capers i to go back to camp capers that's mm. where i think we need because i think we could like go out there and like rent one of those cabins and i'll hang out there you, don't have, you can have a day price you can just go i think the day price is 15 bucks well what i think we need to do is because we've been talking about having a honey hole annual conference where we all get together and get some work done that'd be a fun little which we kind of all need to do mm-hmm. just be in one place at the same time and like all right because we we're all working our butts off with our jobs and then we come together for the podcast but like getting things done in between takes longer than normal i feel like a good solid weekend of everybody together mm-hmm. Would do us a lot of good to get yeah, things planned out and organized. Going. I've and got I, the was price thinking, list. I've and I was thinking, and I was thinking, Camp Capers, and we can read out that meeting. We can rent out that meeting room, yeah. that office room, and we can like take our computers, get on the Wi-Fi, do what we need to do, and then we can like go fish in the evening or fit, wake up early, go fishing, and then come back together. And then they have food out there; it's reasonable. We can eat at Camp Capers. And, and bring the wives if we need to. Yeah, um, and they have stuff that they can do. And, well, Ken will fish for the best of us. Yeah, she she'll fish longer than I will. So well, that's kid, my thought. Kid and them can go fishing. But I was swimming. thinking like early fall. Yeah, which is cool. Like I said, I it, it seemed like because camp capers in the summer is going to be a madhouse. Um, yes and no. With it the church like, camps, but it seemed like uh, Sundays were the better days out there. Yeah, because um, they're in their time. Because they were leaving Saturday. Oh yeah. Or they were leaving Saturday afternoon. Like it was like a either coming in Sunday, not really doing too much. You know from. In the ways of being in the water and stuff like that, but yeah, I, mean, I was talking with Frank over there, so he he gave me the, the Frank's the man. Frank's the man. Frank will hook us up. Frank the tank. So I got his card, did all that stuff, but uh, but yeah, they have a day thing. Yeah, I do want to go back out there and and uh, lots of carp out there too. Uh, Speaking of carp, this is a good transition. Uh, Carson caught his first two carp today. Good, good. Two, two. Dang. So Carson has been getting after that Lubbock Playa Lake fishing. Playa Lake. And they are filled with carp. I was actually in Lubbock this weekend for a graduation. Got to hang out with some family. It was good. Me and Carson went fishing Sunday morning, uh, carping. Number one, he's been carp fishing for about four weeks with no good carp flies. Okay. Um, he finally got a good carp fly? Oh, I gave him like six or seven, like, primo carpet bombs, chase, you know, chases flies a scorpion. Um, like, I gave him primo flies nice. to catch carp. Different colors, different sizes. Yeah. Because I've never caught a carp in Lubbock, so I don't know. Like, it's different than fishing here. So sure. here's a good variety, and get after it, because you fishing with, like, a, you know, a huge bass fly isn't, yeah, like, the best thing. So uh, so we went out on Sunday morning and carp fished, and uh, I actually had one hookup on a carp, um, but it didn't. It came off while I was fighting it. And then I left that stuff with Carson. I gave him a lot of tips while he was out there because he had never really carp fished before. Or no, so I was like, you know, this is what you want to do. This is what you want to look for. You want to look for them feeding, look for mud. You know, you want to get it in front of them and not really move it. They want to find it. This is how you set the hook. You know, kind of like a bunch of tips and then let him be. And he went today and caught two, and he hooked up with four, I think. So pretty damn good day for carp fishing. And he yeah. sent sent some pictures. So, um, yeah, I'm happy for him. I am too. Man, that's, I mean, that's – And now that I go to Lubbock – uh, and I've always known the Playa Lakes have ponds, but like any trip to Lubbock, oh, here's a quick carp fishing trip to yeah. like an easy to access Playa Lake that they're all over the place. And you can wait it, no big deal. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, I'm excited, and I'm going to, like, anytime I go to Lubbock, I'm going to, like, make sure I put some time in a carfish. The downside of going Sunday morning is we went early, and we didn't have that, like, good sunlight over top of us to, like, really sight fish. It was, like, okay. yeah. the sun was really low. There was a glare on the water, and I was, like, we can kind of see, like, some stuff, but really, like, you know, when the sun's high is the prime time for the Playa Lakes are low, though, man. They're, they're, they? They haven't had rain in a while. Well, I was just happy that there was some <coughs> water over there where we went. Because so, I was concerned, too, that we hadn't had that much rain. Yeah. They have had no rain. And uh, it's looking pretty pretty grim water-wise. But we'll talk about, man, we've been 200 days in a row, 100-degree days. Really? Already? Yeah, Saturday was 100. Oh, yeah, dude. I got I did a roof inspection yesterday. Oh. And it was 11.30 appointment. And I normally am, like, pretty flexible with people. Like, oh, what time's good? Okay, 11.30. And, but, like, that's, like, I'm flexible until it gets, like, really hot. And this was my first inspection where I did 11.30. I was, like, this is my last midday or late-day inspection. During the summer year, yeah. Everything is in the morning. One yeah. story or two story? One story. I mean, I don't even know how you guys do it. Sometimes you get up to do it, to do a two story? I don't do two stories. Just we contract another company to help us. Oh. Really? Because uh, our our liability one, but ladders. I mean, I'm in a RAV4. You think I could carry a two-story ladder in my RAV4? Maybe. <laughs> two, two little foldable ladders? Yeah, you stack and them I, on top of I each can other. just zip tie them together. Hey! Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah, that. that's not safety. <laughs> that goes well that's for That's not us. a safety risk. <laughs> but you just uh, no. get a grappling hook. Yeah. Works for bad. No, we, we, bring, <laughs> we contract with a company that uh, they uh, specialize in, like, either really steep roofs. They have the equipment. Yeah. Or, uh, which we don't see a lot here. That's more in the north. But sometimes we'll get, a, like, a really steep roof or, like, two-story houses. So they have, like, the ladders and equipment and everything mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to to do that. Man, so thanks. Yeah, two-story. Huh. I mean, it's one thing when you're looking at them. I mean, technically, are two you story, three stories? Two st- I mean, if you're on a roof, technically, that's a third story. Two-story. That's for, true because you're above the attic, you're which above is the third story. Two-story for, uh, two for me is not the problem. The problem is pitch. Because, oh yeah, because two stories are typically well, not always. Like you, uh, some two stories, like you'll they'll be like pretty reasonable pitches. I don't have a problem. Like the heights part doesn't bother me. It's the pitch. Like even on some one story roofs that I look at, they have like a seven, eight, nine pitch, yeah, I get and I'm like up there, and I'm like, Ugh. so wait a second. So if you have a, a really you know crazy top level, that could be almost a four story. Oh, like if you get pointy enough, yeah, and you get the top. Because you're tippy saying top. the attic is the third floor, and you're above that. Right. And then you go to the tippy top. No yeah, you're four, stories, you're four up. stories up. And if you take a tumble, you're falling far. No, thank you. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to take a tumble. My dad used to tell me. Safety that was, first. You know, my dad was like a like a parachute man in the Army. Yeah. He used to like, I remember this when I was a kid. You know, every time we saw like a like a tall house, he'd be like, oh, yeah. He was like, when you land in like those old like Army parachutes, it's like jumping off that building there. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I know. Now I know. The more you know. Yeah. I'm like, how did you survive it? He's like, it's all about the roll. Put your feet together and uh, just kind of. All just about roll. that roll. Stop, drop, and roll. No, yeah, pretty much. So you roll <laughs> forward. You know? <laughs> and you pop back up. And he's like, and then you just keep going. I'm like, okay. Okay. So every time I'm in a tall tree, I remember that. And then I jump and sprain my ankle. So. <laughs> in case you guys didn't know. We have another podcast called Field and Streaming. Oh, what do we talk about? We Today, we recorded Bill, Bull Durham. Bull Durham. You can see our opinions. I went against the I went against the crowds. So if you want to hear my criticisms of the movie, 
which were fair criticisms. Fair criticisms by criticisms, by the way. But I'm actually excited uh, to do Clue. Clue, Clue is coming oh, out. Man. Clue is such a good movie. But we don't want to give anything away on this show. Yeah, you oh. have to go listen to it elsewhere. Plus, I mean, if it's even available, it might be exclusive. You, you might have to pay to come to one of our places to listen to it in person. <laughs> yeah, at this point, <laughs> exclusive. It's, it, it's actually, exclusive. it's actually none of them are out yet. So, <laughs> yeah, no. so but we haven't even heard it. Well, at this yeah. point, we're just recording and talking. <laughs> yeah, at this point, nobody is listening. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and we say it's going to happen. And we've recorded them, but again, hey. we need to have a honeywell annual conference so we can sit down and be like, yes. Zach's going to bust out the logo. I'm going to bust out the, what you know, like. I'm just going to go home and write three chords on a song, and I'm going to draw uh, a movie theater and then send that to you and be like, here, I'm, I'm just going to draw it on pen and paper, take a picture, and be like, here's a logo. <laughs> the, logo the logo should be a guy fly fishing, but at the end of it, instead of a fly, it should be like a VHS tape. See, I, what we were thinking Ooh, is... you should go VHS, though. Well, see, what we were thinking is it would be like a, fil- a film reel, you know? And then as the film's coming off, it turns into a stream. I'd have to see. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, that, that's a good option. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. No, hey, sky's the limit. You know. Zach, what are we drinking tonight? Uh, right now, we are drinking more Cowbell. I'm not. And it is a <laughs> double IPA. <laughs> and you know what's funny? When, like, the... I feel like we're in like a bourbon boom right now, but like oh, ten yeah, years ago, it was definitely a beer yes, boom. Agreed. Specifically, an IPA boom. Yes. So I leaned into that, and I drank more IPAs than I probably should admit. But uh, a couple of years ago, I kind of stopped drinking them as much, moved on to other flavors, other different types of beer, because a lot of IPAs can kind of get repetitive. And uh, but this is a double IPA from Buffalo Bayou Brewing. Now you've been to this brewery. I have been to this brewing, and as I told you before, their beer is fantastic. I was not a fan of the brewery strictly because of the situation. It was super weird. Like we went on a random weekend, um, and they their their brewery is huge. It has like three or four stories, and we get there, and it's pretty packed. And this is like not peak COVID, but probably like nine or ten months into it, you know. And um, they have. A waiting list depending on the floors, right? And so you tell them what floor you want to sit on, and we were like, "What has the shortest waiting list?" And they're like, "Oh, well, like in the patio on the first floor." So we're like, "Okay, we'll do that." And I'm like, "Okay, I would like to try this porter you guys have." And they're like, "Oh, well, you can only order that if you're on the second floor because that's where that tap is." And I'm like, "Wait, what?" And they're like, "Yeah, so you can only order the beers." I'm like, "Can I walk up the stairs that I see right there and order it myself? Because I can order." the beer here myself, and they're like, no, we can't have you walking through the other tables. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, so what are my options here? They're like, we have four different IPAs and a blonde. And I'm like, so you're telling me out of the 15 beers that you guys brew here, yeah, my options are four IPAs and a blonde when I know for a fact you have ambers and porters yeah. 10 feet above my head? And um, and they're like, yeah, pretty much. And so, like, and that, I'm weird. When that kind of stuff happens, it, like, sets the mood for the rest sure. of the time I'm there. Did people want to be on the fourth floor because it was a fourth floor? Like, it was just, was I there, like, a view of something? No, or? it was just a it was just a different floor, you know? And so I have no clue why. I think people just want to be up there because it's, like, they don't know what beers are up there. Because they didn't, and that's the thing, too, is they didn't even tell you what beers are where. It was just kind of, like, you just got lucky. So it didn't matter. No, so you just got lucky with the beer that you were, or with the floor that you were on if you liked the beers they were serving. So, I don't know. It frustrated me. Their beer is good. That situation was very frustrating, and it kind of put a sour taste in my mouth of that brewery from that point on. Now, speaking of mouthfeel, you said on this one that it was for an IPA, a double IPA, that it's actually pretty good. It feels almost velvety. Like, yeah. 
it's uh, it's not quite the same kind of like velvety you would get from like no, a, there's kind of like that uh, like a nitro aftertaste like there a is. little like a yeah and it's not super hoppy or super like it's a little it's hoppy it's hoppy it's not super bitter though yeah you I'm know? not a big IPA fan when I was at Specs I grabbed it and I was like oh, this, I asked the guy uh, and what he recommended he's like yeah this is pretty good I say if I had a mountain of buffalo wings. Mm. This would be perfect to oh, yeah. go with that. Well, I have my spicy chicken sandwich right before this, yeah. and this yeah, that. Yeah. is perfect with it. Yeah, I think this would go well with something spicy, uh, crunchy. would be Would be great. Landon, on their hand, on the other hand, went with his uh, his. Uh, we call it the whiskey, whiskey smash. smash. Whiskey smash. This one's different than the one that we previously Why is reviewed. It different? Yeah, please explain because I came in, and I saw some fruit on that counter. Yes, very interesting fruit. This is a blood orange. I love blood orange. Whiskey smash. So in last time we did the show, I did uh, lemon. Okay. When I went to the restaurant, uh, Cheesecake Factory, it was an orange whiskey smash. Now, are, they mud- are you muddling this stuff or are you just muddling? Okay. Muddling, yeah. Muddling. Uh, the recipe, again, two ounces of whiskey, uh, three quarters of an ounce of simple, simple syrup. syrup. Um, a touch of mint, and I'm using mint extract because when I went to the store, they didn't have mint. Okay. So I'm literally one drop because it's extract. It's, like, really potent. So if you, like, it, like, you can taste the mint in this for sure. Um, and then uh, all of that in a shaker with ice and then pour it over fresh ice. And I actually uh, add a little bit of club soda to it just to give it because when you shake it all up, what you're well, left with, this, yeah. Yeah. what you're left with, is not much as far as liquid goes. Well, have you ever tried stirring and not shaking it? That's technically the way you're supposed to do it. Sometimes you don't bruise the alcohol. Yeah, but you don't get to go to the little handshaker thing. Oh, I know. You I look l- like, I like you're the a bartender. Shaker. Try stirring it next time. See if it gets a fl- different flavor profile. Yeah, but stirring it like having like half a blood orange in the drink and stirring it. But now you got to get that special Japanese spoon for. Oh, yeah, the long, the long one that kind of, like, twists a little bit. That's what it, it's made for. Yeah. It's made for you to be able to, with ice in there and highballs, to stir your... Listen, you're the one who decided to get fancy and start mixing drinks. I'm telling you the fanciest way to do it. And on top of that, you can use it as a way to pour stuff in without yeah. spilling everything. You turn yeah. you turn the spoon, you pour it, and it's like... Yeah, it goes a I've seen that. Through. It's cool. It is. It's really neat. But I actually like the orange better than the lemon. I smash. love a blood orange. Kendall surprised me one time by putting an orange, orange in my lunch. Yeah. And uh, I, I got to school, and I was like, oh, this is nice. I have a little orange, you know, and I opened it up, and it was blood red. And she's trying like, to kill me. Exactly. I was like, this is a note for later. This is, she wants to see my blood on the floor. So. This is why I don't tell my know what? out is on my life insurance. Before, I had never had a blood orange before making this drink. No, they're the best I was at the orange. grocery store, and I was looking at oranges, and I was like, what oranges look the best? And I was like, that one's called a blood orange. That's kind of cool. I've never had a blood orange before. What do you think? I brought it home. I cut it open, and I was like. Uh, so what were you expecting? I was expecting a regular orange. <laughs> I was expecting a regular orange. <laughs> bleeding, just yeah. bleeding. I mean, like right. uh, you bought a blood orange. What did you? What did you think? No, but that's fair. Like apples, I was jazz apples. I mean, there's like ten different types of apples. Yeah. And have you guys ever had? Unless a you're apple? granny, unless you're a granny Smith, like that's green. Like an apple, like there's five or six different types of red yeah. apples. So I was just like. I just know. Oh, it's just blood orange. Or, it's from the province of blood. Yeah, or it's like blood money oranges. <laughs> blood you know, money like orange. blood diamonds. <laughs> That's why they're so expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so I honestly was not expecting real. it to be like red. 
Oh yeah, no, it's yeah. red. Yeah, no, it's red. No, it, but did you like the, a blood orange? I thought like when I first opened it and I realized like it wasn't a cruel trick, I tried it and I was like, this is a good orange. Yeah, it's definitely an orange. It's like the flavor is not off, but it's like this is a good orange. And then I've been happy with the yeah. results. We buy, a, we buy a lot of cuties, you know, yeah. like the tiny ones. Yeah, and so most of my citrus-flavored drinks end up with a cutie. And it's just, it's not the same. It gets yeah, the job done. It gets the job done. It's but it's not, they're not good for mixed drink. No, there's some pretty it, cool oranges. It works. Hey, there's you know, some works. pretty cool oranges. Uh, I know there's one I was thinking, we were talking about the blood orange stuff. The navel orange? No, no, I was thinking about, so there's, a, there's a, a lemon. Hey, try sticking a June bug in the navel orange. <laughs> <laughs> was it an Audi or, or an Eni? Oh, navel oranges <laughs> are definitely Audis. <laughs> no question. Uh, but they they had uh, there's one lime or lemon that's uh, pink on the inside, you know. It's like oh man, these are pretty cool. So I don't know, so stuff to to goof off with. But uh, what other fruits are you looking to try with your whiskey smash? Uh, so far, it's just been oranges and lemons. I wouldn't be opposed to like mixing a lime in there. Well, I've seen some recipes where they use like berries or strawberries specifically. I thought about actually. I was at um, we went to BJ's in Lubbock, <laughs> and they had a strawberry mixed drink. And but it was with vodka. It was with Tito's. Okay, yeah. And I was like, oh, that actually sounds really good. But I was like, but then I like in my head, I was like, would a strawberry work in a whiskey smash? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I've seen several, yeah. several, uh, several. Especially if you muddle them and you smash them. That's the whole thing. You're, and you're you smash it, um, and I could see like blueberries working. Um, but so. get fresh, not fro. I've tried frozen a couple times, and you think it might work. It doesn't. No, it's, it's, no. Something about it. It's weird. Yeah. No, we went to uh, for Mother's Day. We went to uh, Papacitos. Oh, yeah. and uh, my sister got the. Uh, they have like a watermelon margarita. Holy crap! That thing is. It's I'd good. be down for watermelon too. Yeah, and that oh, would work as well. I would do a watermelon. I've made a smash. fresh watermelon like drink before with like crushing the watermelon and doing it. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Now without well, I don't know about crushing it. I think you might be better off with one of those like. Uh, Blender thingies, yeah, yeah, blender thingies, or the or infusion blenders. It's like you know, yeah, or the you know, it's already it's already pre-made. Like it's already a it's already oh, a, yeah, a, yeah. A, a flavoring, you know, and you yeah. just kind of pour it in. I think that would work. I'd do a watermelon smash, one hundred percent. Yeah, I just don't think you can get the same flavors if you smash with the water. Would you smash the watermelon, or if you got an actual like the flavoring? I think that would. But be see, watermelon works so well with tequila and lime. You know, like with bourbon, I feel like I don't know. Yeah, but when you're mixing it already, you're already sweetening it up. It's True. not a huge. I, I'd be willing to try it. I mean, I'm not opposed to what you said, Zach, with you know tequila, but oh, yeah. I would try a watermelon smash. Well, and see, then, you're gonna need to try it too with like other whiskeys. Like, do a rye, you know, do a high rye bourbon. Do do you know uh, do a weeded and see if which one you like. Because I started see, messing my, around with that. And see, I my thing is like which ones I like better. I used my trash whiskeys in the mixed drinks, which is fine because it's just like ah, oh, this is the best. This is the only way I'm gonna drink it. I just like knowing, finding out what I like. So, like, when we do go to a bar or a nice place, and I see what they have, and I'm like, you know what, I want this, but I want, I want, I'm going to want it with that. Yeah. Speaking of which. Because I'm going to pay $15 already for it. We need to go to 1919. Agreed. As yeah. a group. You guys go, go Can we weekend? record a podcast there? No. It would not work. Outside. Maybe outside. Car. Yeah, in the car. I'm down. I might it's be too free. loud. This weekend, want to go? I am Friday, at the um, oh the uh, Bud Pretty the Bud Pretty oh, that's, that's another right. thing to talk about yeah I'm going to the Bud Pretty that's right actually Thursday Friday I took Thursday Friday off oh, lucky duck I know tomorrow's my last day I got too much work to do to take off but whatever. <laughs> screw it <laughs> well <laughs> if you like to go I might be down I, I, well, no no I don't want you guys to go without me not we've both been before it's not a new experience yeah, for it's us. A new experience, so. 
But still, <laughs> we can go and enjoy it, and then we'll go again. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Y'all do what Let's you Let's just need say to do. I might be there on Friday. Hey, or I Saturday. might be there on Friday or Saturday too. We run into each Let's other. see what happens. You guys should fish the tournament on Saturday. I don't want to win least. it. I got enough trophies. Yeah, I don't need another one. That's fine. Everything I do, I'm great at. So yeah, <laughs> especially with my flies. Like you can you can win uh, biggest catfish. I win it all. Like that's, <laughs> it just, it's just, I don't want to hurt anybody's right? feelings yeah. when I go out there and I'm like cleaning up with everything. Gotcha. Exactly. You know, I don't need another. You know, another. And people thing get afraid to talk to you, and it's like, yeah, well, people, I can't have yeah, that. I don't have time for that. And they want autographs yeah. and all this stuff. And now, so there's you know. there's three categories. Uh, if I was to commit to a category, what, what are your options? What category should I commit to? Uh, biggest bass, <laughs> biggest panfish, and most fish caught. So. Go panfish, biggest I, panfish. Yeah, I think biggest panfish is the. the but what's the most the most prestigious category to win would be biggest bass. Yeah, but but, yeah, I, but who wants to be prestigious? And it's and it's a one fly tournament, so I have to pick one fly and I have to fish it. So I was thinking like take a game changer, and just throw a game changer all day. Look, no, I'd take that spook but, and get out there and get crazy. But they've changed the rules in the past, right? I mean, it's it used to be one fly, only one. You pick one fly. If you lose it, you're done. No, but it's now one type it's, of pattern. It's one pattern, and yeah. that includes the color. That includes the color. So, like, if I'm going to fish, like, a chartreuse game changer, yeah. I'm fishing a chartreuse game changer all day. If I stick one in a tree, no big deal. I can put another chartreuse, chartreuse. game changer on. I just, I don't know. Like, I I know a lot of people that have not only fished it, but has also won certain categories in it. And I know, like, they're great fishermen and they're, they're going to catch it. It's just, you're, you're when the winner's catching, like, over 200 fish, it's like, man, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a lot, and obviously it's not a big fly. You're you're probably it's, it's it, like, you're it's doing something 18, small, 16, exactly, 18. and you're gluing the hell out of that thing. Yeah, uh, and and you're you're making sure your knots are are solid, so those things aren't aren't breaking. But I don't want to like to catch most species though. That's what you have to commit to. I don't want to like go catch out like I don't want to go catch like two inch fish all day. But yeah, that, that's, that's the thing they, is if you do yeah. the most fish, you know that's what you're signing up for is going yeah. out there yeah. with an ant pattern and just. And you know you're gonna have to. You know you have to shoot for a number that's over 200. Oh yeah. And and after I mean, dude, after 50, you're gonna be like, this is. I'm, yeah, it's not even fun at that point. Yeah. You're gonna say, I quit. Just let me go home. That's why I'm thinking biggest bass. Plus, I feel like that's the best category out of all of them to win. But yeah, I mean, you could take. You it could, carries the most weight. You could I think. do biggest bass. The only thing is, if you're looking to win, don't do biggest bass. If you're looking to go out and have a good time and fish for the biggest bass. Biggest bass. Yeah, but there's got to be. I'm sure there's a fly that you can use that has a chance for a big bass, but also will put you in the running for for a biggest panfish. Can you input more than or go into more than no. one category? No, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. you can you can win multiple categories. Yeah, categories. Oh. Yeah, but it's just oh, so it's not like you fly. show up that morning and you're like, I'm only going for the biggest bass. And no, no, care. you don't have to do that. It's like you oh. you have to measure and picture your fish. I would I would say a. But I have to pick a fly that yeah, would catch me Ooh, the biggest bass yeah, yeah. So, wh- and the there. biggest panfish. We're getting there. What I'm saying is that you would use a, a black uh, size 12 or 10 balanced leech, but with the body being um, uh, ice dub in a, in a black with the blue. That color. sounds great, Gabe. I love that option, but... I think you should go I'm leaving paint. on Thursday, and I don't have I a the, couple of those in my box. Well, I know go. someone that does... Yeah, I think she with a pink brunch money. I have some of those. I think that's, that's your go-to. You tell me what you need by Thursday. That's that's the one you go to. That's your that's because like a big panfish can smack the hell out of it. I'm just but saying. Also, a big bass, like a big bass, is gonna be like that's worthwhile yeah, me should, moving for. But should I fish like a game changer and really? No, because no, because a game changer, you're not gonna get a panfish. 
you have no chance of winning that one. I know, but I feel like if I tiptoe the line, then I'm missing opportunity with that bigger fish. Yeah, but a big bass will go after a good-sized bait fish that's not also Well, look, two things here. A, um, a real friend would give you this last pink (laughs) brunch money. That's true. Let's test our friendship, Zach. That's true. Hey, I don't have it with me. And, uh, <laughs> That's and, you're, and, and you're leaving Thursday. I can I can stop by your apartment. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, I see what you're saying, but you'd probably have to go back and look at where are the previous winners on the largest bass. And if they're all, like, within a 12-inch bass, then I would say what I'm saying now, a balanced black leech and just do that. And Ooh. you have a shot for – a large bluegill, you have a shot at a or, large catfish or, or a bass. Or should I troll the tournament, fish the fish taco fly, and try to win a category? And maybe. be like, oh, I won this tournament on a fish taco fly. And maybe you can convince my, them. My odds are a, long shot, a longer shot there, but if I do win a category on a fish taco. Or maybe you can convince them to have a different category called the biggest fish caught on a taco. That would be for next year, though. I see what but you're hey, going with. You know it. what? But you got. I see what you're going with. I could. I, it would kind of be like, I would fish the heck out of the taco, and I've caught bass on the fish taco. There's I, a YouTube yeah. video up on our YouTube channel of me catching like really nice bass on a fish taco. But could I troll the tournament and catch the largest bass on the fish taco? Do you and any, prove a point that fly doesn't matter, and you can catch fish on whatever. Well, fly I think you it's want. it's that second part, it's the latter part of your statement is winning it. So I mean, it's all good. If you if you win it, you're gonna if win. I lose, I'm gonna embarrass myself. You're gonna win on a pink. But do you have to one. tell people what you fished with? Only if you won. That's true. It's an all day tournament. Yeah. How far is it from here? Uh, Campwood, uh, hour and a half, two hours. Oh man, is it too late to enter? No, you enter Saturday night. Is it Sunday? No, it's on Saturday. Oh, you enter Friday night. <sighs> I'll look up the details and I'll text it to y'all. They sent them. I mean, they they. Yesterday, day trip. They posted a thing saying like, "Sign up," you know. So day trip, exactly. I'd be down for a day trip. And Go out there. Then when we get back, we just exactly. meet each other at nineteen ninety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I got to celebrate. Actually, trophies, I got to celebrate trophies. somehow. You with your leech, me with my pink brunch money. We could do a cookout campfire at our trailer and cook burgers or something. How are we going to do that in nineteen nineteen though? Actually, I think bring nineteen nineteen <laughs> to us. Look, if you wanted to tr- to troll the tournament. Showing up with a Tinkara rod would be doing that. I'm not doing that. And winning. I'm and not. Winning. I'm not. Win I'm not embarrassing rod. my name. Showing up with a proper cane pole. Ooh, Ooh do it. No. Hell, just staple some line to a log. Ooh, you know, just show up and like literally like pull a branch off, like make it there, and then go out there. Exactly. Yeah. Be like, hey guys, go get my rod real quick. Yeah. And then grab a branch. Like I've wanted to do it. It's just like it's just always one of those things. I don't know how the how the setup is where everyone goes. And I just felt like it was so easy for someone to say, "Oh yeah, I caught two hundred and fifty fish," and then win it. That's true. Who's counting? Right. Like, but that, pictures. I think you have to take a picture of your fish. Uh, picture I, of each fish. I, I oh, mean, man. this was going on before cell phones. So, I mean, this, this tournament's been around forever. Yeah, that, draw. And that's fish. why I was always like, I don't really want to go out there. I know a guy that won most fish one year. Yeah. And he caught over 200. And uh, yeah. I know he legitimately caught over I, 200. I agree. I know that there's guys that with the flies. That, I that don't I've think seen. anybody's like pulling wool. No, because they know that they have to show up and is that number high enough. Mm-hmm. Right? What, what fly would you use for most fish? 
I would use like uh, Copper John. Really? Yeah. 16. Copper John's a hardy fly. Size 16 or 18. That's true, because I was thinking Cinnamon Ant, but that might no. bust after, but like, the, yeah. after like 10. But but the top water thing is like, are the if you do the ant, if you go with the ant, are they going to be feeding on yeah, top exactly. water all day? If you go with the nymph, yeah, it has yeah. to be. Has to work. I yeah. and again, another thing that I, I would want to know is how many of those winners have been poppers, and I, I probably not a lot. And the the guys that I've talked to that have won it have usually been on like smaller, um, red ass flies, kind of like mm-hmm. the old like uh, wet fly style. Yeah. Um, or even you could see it's like a, a smaller woolly bugger in a size twelve with mm-hmm. a bead on it, um, but no more than an inch, uh, as as being you know some some winners. So again, I just I know what I've caught with that balance leech or, or even just like a jig style fly with weight and, um, you know, in black and specifically with that eye stub, that black eye stub that almost looks like blue, purple hue. Yeah. It's a, well, if you want to tie awesome. me up like half a dozen, I'd be more than happy to tie you up half yeah. a dozen. Do it. before. And like, what size are you thinking? These are going to be tents. Yeah. So I think I could catch a pretty big bass on that. Yeah, you could. Yes. And, and then and also a nice and, a, and a nice panfish. Yeah. So I've got the stuff to do it. If you'll tie them up, I will tie them up for you. And and when I win and I give my speech, I will give Just you credit for tying the flies. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. That's all I need. Be like, I would have done even better. If I win both categories, I'll give you one of the trophies. Perfect. Yeah. It saves me a trip because I would have already gotten yeah. one if I showed up. So. Hey, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, hey, you guys should show up. That's what I, see. That's what I'm afraid of. Like we're gonna show up and then. Like and we don't they're going to no, no, no. get. And then we're going to win, and then Lance yeah. going to no, feel no, no, bad. No. And yeah. then next week when we have this conversation, yeah. it's going to be weird. <laughs> no, I say, show I up say with you guys. Right here. <laughs> I say, I say, you guys show up, and we all pick our own category. Yeah. And uh, Zach is the pan. Zach likes catching panfish. You go for most panfish. Your balanced leech will catch the biggest panfish, and I'll fish a game changer all day for the biggest bass. Have you guys ever fished a fly fishing tournament before? Nope. No. See, I haven't either, and I and I've been invited out to the Lydian. And uh, I haven't. I, I want to do that. I think uh, Rob's gonna. They're gonna do that again. This bringing it back this year. Uh, I don't think they did it last year because of COVID. But him and and uh, uh, Rob Burlingame and and Palmer Simpson, two guys that they put together that uh, that Liddy Ann tournament, which I think is fantastic down there in Rockport. I believe mm-hmm. they've done that for a couple of years. So I think we need to do that. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, make some calls to get some some buddies with boats to get us on a skiff. But yeah, yeah. I think that would be cool to do. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I just I, the tournament fishing, like, uh, just you know, it seems fun. It seems fun, but it just depends. Like, we're talking about the number of fish. Are we really going to take two hundred? You know, it's a commitment. I I know, but you're going to take too many. You know, two hundred. No, fishers. I'm going to quit after forty and be like, I've, I'm done. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I like, hope I get second. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, um, that's awesome. Though. All right. Yeah. Wish you luck. Well, gotta, well, real quick, I'm getting a camper. Are you? Yeah. Ooh, let's go. What are you getting? A pop-up. My dad's pop-up. Nice. <laughs> he said he's done camping, so I'm like, all right, Sweet. hey, well, I'm, I'm, I like that thing, so. Uh, you know what I'm getting? So we can go camp. We can go uh, Yeah, it's got AC, together. and that was the biggest factor of convincing Kendall that we should get it yeah, is because AC. it has an AC unit built yeah. in. You know what I'm nice. getting? You know what I'm getting? Two guys that have campers. <laughs> <laughs> Two buddies. Yeah. Mine only has one bed, though. That's the only thing. That's okay. I'll keep you warm. Oh, <laughs> that'd be nice. Probably that. Exactly. Else? Two two grown men sleeping in the same bed. Fine. Exactly. My dad bring, and I went. Bring you your know, blanket. Exactly. And you go head to feet. Even though the naughty bit's still in the middle, it doesn't really matter. You know, you just <laughs> Boys. Good to know. I have a great article for y'all today. What is your article today? Uh, let's call it uh, conservation. 
I gotta ease into this because I Should realized last time we listened, <laughs> I pushed that that guy. It was pretty loud. It was loud. It yeah. was like boom. That, was like, that's the fun of it. It Cliff hasn't been on the podcast in a long time because the new job. Yeah. Is it? It's C four Cliff's cool conservation corner. Yeah. Is it? We're gonna keep it as C four forever. Yeah. Is that his mark on that's the show? His mark. Yeah, yeah. That's his mark. On okay. The show. He deserves like, that. This yeah. is yeah. this is Cliff's cool conservation corner. He can sponsor. I mean, it. Well, it depends. Sponsored by Cliff. It depends. It depends. But yes. What do we mean? Do we? <laughs> I don't know. It depends. So, an Ohio politician suggests a hunting season for feral cats. Then quickly backtracks. <laughs> I can quickly see why he backtracked. So, as an invasive species, feral cats take a devastating toll on native birds and small mammals. Could the solution be to hunt them? Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Why not? I mean, you know, uh, bobcats. I mean, where's the line? Like, that's the right. thing. Like, where's, where's... Cats are a problem, not... The ones people keep as indoor pets, but the ones that have been abandoned by their human caretakers and the marauding colonies of efficient predators they've given rise to across the country. Feral cats so far, the solutions we've tried, like trap, neuter, release programs, don't seem to be working. So Bill Hayes, who's running for commissioner in Licking County, Ohio, recently suggested another method, hunt them. Um, Hayes put the idea out there during a forum Monday night in which candidates for the commissioner post were fielding questions from the public this won't be very popular, he said. Um, but we have a squirrel season. And it would seem to me if you've got an animal that's not a pet for anybody, you've got to do what you got to do to make the situation better. A feral cat season if you need to. Um, feline cat, uh, feline experts estimate that for every pet cat in the country, there is a feral counterpart, up to 80 million in all. And Dang. because cats are uh, fertile at six months, they give birth an average of 1.5 times per year. TNR efforts only scratch the surface. Uh, some wildlife advocates, meanwhile, point out that cats, whether feral, neutered, or domesticated, are an invasive species that kill a large number of native species. One study found that free-ranging cats around the world account for up to 4 billion bird deaths and 22 billion mammal deaths every year. What? I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we're talking eggs, uh... Younglings. Another study showed that cats have contributed Younglings. to the extinction extinction of sixty three species. Shoot them all! Shoot them all! Shoot them all! Or you get a Chuck E. Cheese costume, walk around playing the piccolo, and they all start following you, like you know, like uh, <laughs> Peter Piper. Works. <laughs> exactly, like Peter Piper. You walk into the water. Cats hate water notoriously. They drown and die. That's 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 how it goes. I mean, they're, Ohio's right there on the lake, you know. Like, it's it's got to be. Somebody's thought of this before. All I know is I've always wanted a stuffed-mounted cat in my house. <laughs> you I want three, you know. I want to look like they're playing with, 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 <laughs> with a little, little Exactly. Little. Oh, and then we'll have a, I'll have a clap on for a laser pointer. But, it, but it, again, it, like, it, it, bre- it, it begs the question, like, where where is that line, right? I mean, it's like, well, I'm already shooting their cousin. You know, I'm shooting... Bobcats or whatever. I mean, it's Honestly, like, what is, yeah. I mean, what's the difference? Yeah. What's, what's well, bobcats aren't invasive. I'd be more on board with. Honestly, this sounds terrible. And is Todd still sitting in that? Yeah, chair? he's right. He's like part of the podcast, right? Yeah. Now. So oh, yeah. one of our cats is like in the fourth chair, and uh, so look him right in the eye. I'm gonna look him right in the eye. Right in the eye. Your <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kill your outdoor. You're an invasive feral. species. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. an invasive species. You don't deserve to be here. That's got to be. I mean, you, he doesn't spend any time outside. Dude, so the amount he of people die. like that would be out there protesting that if that 
went through. Like, how crazy is that? Just because they're, it's like, well, where were you to to not let them out, or did you get after the owners for letting those those cats go? But um, Grant Sizemore, the director of invasive species programs uh-huh. um, at the American Bird Con- Conservancy. Uh, say that domestic cats are among the world's most harmful invasive species. The presence on the landscape disrupts ecosystems through predation and the transmission of infectious disease. They spread the parasite Toxoplasma gondii. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Um, This parasite (laughs) is the reason that (laughs) pregnant women are advised to avoid changing cat litter. But for cats that roam outdoors, the environment is a giant litter box. And they got ringworm. Like everywhere. Um, a variety of studies show that cats can have significant impact on local populations of quail, rough grouse, wild turkeys, American woodcat, woodcock. Wild turkeys? Morning doves, squirrels and rabbits, eggs. Yeah, eggs. Wait, eggs. okay, you guys keep saying eggs. Do cats go out and eat an egg? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Wait, they I got the I've, teeth to crack it open. I just, I've never, I've never. Like a. Pigsy. No part of me thought of like a I, cat going out. I saw out a video of a. I saw a video of a bobcat raid a. Uh, uh, what are the invasive snakes in Florida? Uh, oh, the, pythons. Pythons. They raided a python nest uh-huh. of eggs and ate the whole nest. Really? Yeah, wild bobcat, and that is a bobcat doing its job with an invasive species. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, uh, eggs are like, I think a wild cat that. Is looking for anything to eat, they'll eat, um, you know, turkey eggs. Yeah. So, side note: Have you ever have you ever collected chicken eggs and then accidentally dropped one in the chicken coop? Well, I don't have a chicken coop. No, so no. But if you did, if you did, what those chickens do is they go crazy for the yolk, and then they eat their own young. It's cra- it's it blows my mind every time. Hmm. I don't intentionally do it. But it sounds like, like you do. <laughs> no, I mean, no, no. You got like it 20. Like, you know, we, got need like, a, we need another, we need another <laughs> soundbite that says like Zach's facts. You know, like he's the one who brought out like, yeah. did you guys ever know if you take your sock off, you throw it in the air, a bat's going to come down? Oh, yeah. 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 Like, I can't <laughs> believe you guys ever called oh, yeah. bats with socks before. Yeah, we need Zach's facts. Zach's facts. <laughs> yes, we need a Zach's facts like, button. I'll do a Zach's facts button. Zach's facts. Hey, yeah. have you ever guys ever uh, had chickens? No, I don't have. Have you guys ever had a chicken coop? No, I don't have chickens. You just dropped an egg? from a chicken well i don't have a chicken or a coop to get an egg from do drop it yeah but the next time i'm in one yeah see what happens that's crazy they eat that like crazy oh man we need to we need to add a soundbite you go on youtube for this yeah i had some homework to do yeah it's you don't you don't hope for it but when it happens you're like i'm I'm pretty impressed okay so then how'd you know about this well i grew up with chickens okay so then so the first time it happened yeah, first time it happened. Was it was an accident. Yeah. And then the second, third, fourth, fifth, yeah, sixth, like, sixth. Like, <laughs> you, you know what? Maybe that's on me because I never brought a basket to the chicken coop. I always thought, oh, no, there's only like 10 chickens in here. They can't lay that many eggs. I'd be wrong every time. But, you know, eventually you get like eight or nine yeah. eggs in your hands and you're walking out and I'm trying to open the little latch. And then, you know, eventually one egg, maybe two, falls on the ground. It cracks open. And, man, they go after that stuff like crazy like they will rip up that yolk and the next thing you know it's a chicken feast and they've all got yolk all over the place and they've got their babies all over dripping down their beaks and i'm like i so it's you, good you i don't blame these you guys that have been jailed for feeding chickens a chicken nugget yeah and here you're kind of on the same track the one thing i will say is the rooster technically isn't with the chickens so they weren't fertilized eggs 
So it's just like half. So we should do an experiment. Experiment. We should fertilize, fertilize <laughs> chicken eggs <laughs> and see. At this point, do you chickens know that this is now a baby? This is <laughs> this is now a baby chicken. <laughs> this is a good episode. We're talking about chickens eating chick chicken on chicken violence. If you've never seen it, <laughs> it'll blow your cats. It'll blow. So yeah, they'll eat anything. You throw you throw a worm in there, they'll eat it. Well, you, I get throw, that. you throw a snake in there, they'll eat it. Um, you think yourself maybe chicken versus snake. Who's gonna win? It's the chicken every time. By the next Wednesday, Hayes had heard from another group of advocates, cat lovers, and quickly changed his tune. I apologize to all those offended, and I truly want to help with that problem and not hinder it. My words were poorly chosen. I know we can't go around shooting cats. No, that's no, but he's right. It's an in, we're talking about an invasive groups of them, like going out to Brackenridge Park and seeing those Brackenridge bobcats out there. I mean, those things are. We all kill our so place. many horses every year because they're they're invasive and growing like crazy. You know, we kill. We're encouraged to kill any invasive species. Wild hogs, right? Right. I mean, hey, most of those plecos at some point right. were somebody's aquarium so, fish. Again, yeah. yeah. So where? So again, where's? That's what I would want to well, ask here, someone that's in PETA. However, here, go, like, here, where's this line? Here, okay. Here's where the line is. Dogs. That's the line. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all know that. If the people were like, "Hey, we got these herds of dogs grouping up these wild dog packs," we'd all be like, "Okay, like, well, how can we feed them?" You know. In any case. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, Hayes, where's the kibble? Hayes might have had to change some laws before a feral cat season could be considered. So this is where the line is. Okay. Ohio Revised Code uh, 959.131 states, No person shall knowingly torture, torment, needlessly mutilate, maim, cruelly beat, poison, needlessly kill, or commit an act of cruelty against a companion animal. And it defines a companion animal as any animal that is kept inside a residential dwelling and any dog or cat regardless of where it is kept. Yeah, but we're... T- <sighs> On the other hand, there may be a window of opportunity around the words needlessly kill. Yes. As many scientists and wildlife experts will agree that we need to get a handle right. on the feral cat problem. I, I, yeah, I think if, if, you, yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you're found guilty of killing a cat in your own home that is yours or whatever, you killed your neighbors, and you could show that that, that cat was owned by someone, okay. But then if you're going out into a, a, a forest area where you know, like, What's going to be in there isn't necessarily, you know, uh, home, um, you know, home kept. Yeah. Then okay, I think within within that that area, it, it you know is it, it you know, it's doable. I'm surprised that it's it's such a number on on you know what they're. What and I've heard that doing. number before. I, this wasn't the first article I've heard that. I've never paid attention billions. to that, but now that you're saying it now, it's like, okay, well, that makes absolute sense. They're it probably does. the most Except damaging. for the egg thing. The egg thing is throwing me off. I'm like, I don't, I'm, I don't see eggs. Well, it doesn't matter know. anyway because birds aren't real. So <laughs> 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 They're robots. They're, the robots. So, they're robots yeah. are surveying us. And so they're robot seven. eggs. Exactly. Yeah. Robot eggs. So, yeah, really, are cats even real if they're surviving off robots? I don't know. You know so, I, mean, I, I think they're demons, I think this but. is... I think, you know, we're so concerned about invasive species and, like, plecos and other things, but they're not causing a problem like this. This is a way more serious problem. But look at those two. If you put put a pleco and and, and a cat next to each other, you look at a little kid and you're like, oh, which one? They're going to look at the fish and, oh, shoot them all, you know. Um, Man, I don't know. Me neither. I mean, let's just put a whole bunch of goldfish out there that are slightly poisonous for cats, and then the next thing you know, they take care of themselves. But then raccoons and skunks and everything else would eat them too. So you got to hunt them. Oh, yeah, really. 
Would I y'all still, shoot a cat? If there was a legal ha- cat hunting season, would you shoot a yes. cat? Uh, probably not. Really, yes? Basically. No? No. Why not? Because I have a hard time telling anything I'm not going to eat. I stepped on a worm the other day, and then but that the, lunch was disgusting. In the name, <laughs> But in the name of conservation, in the name of conservation... Like and you're allergic they to are cats, probably. right? I am allergic. So yeah, yeah, what, so yeah why, you should. Why wouldn't you want to kill them all? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, again, I advise not to do that, and just in the sake of our conversation. No, no, I prefer the Chuck E. Cheese leading them to Lake Erie sort of situation where they drown themselves. You still need a guy to wear that suit. So oh yeah, I'll, you're I'll wear. Yeah, I'll wear, wear the suit. suit. Yeah, exactly. I just didn't pull any triggers. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if I could shoot a cat. Like having this conversation, like I see the issue, I understand that that's an issue. But you but see when the issue as it, you're looking at Todd. Hey, Todd. Look, I, I take it take it for what it is. Like I, I have been at Half Price Books where they had a sale on how to butcher a horse. I don't know who had twenty books on how to butcher a horse that they sold to the Half Price Books, but it was there. Of course, I, it was Half Price Books. I have books. a I have a picture. It it was there. Well, I mean, as we all like, know, there's more than one way to get a cat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Obviously, it came from someplace, right? Obviously, it came from someplace. But what I Zach Svacks. <laughs> if someone like you know cooked a horse and was like, "Here, try this horse taco," I'd be like, "Okay, like why not?" You know, right. I've already tried lengua and all this other stuff. You know, that from cows. What's eat a little whatever? I mean, what our genome? Us and the difference of a ear of corn is only off by like two percent. Yeah, so. Hmm. Who knows? Let's eat some cats. I feel kind of bad for Pierce, our guest for this episode. In this, we're talking about shooting cats. Are you know what? We're guess. getting it out of our Actually, system now. God. I've only known Pierce for forty-five minutes, but part of me believes that he, he would, would be. be on. Yeah, he'd he'd be on our side of this situation. No, okay. but it, it, look, it is a, it, it is a <laughs> I could be wrong. Maybe he has like a herd of cats at home, but I feel like <laughs> he would be over here. as a native Montana. No, but from, but from a serious perspective, that does. I mean. There, he's apologizing to a group of constituents. I get that, but it it does it does you know bring up a lot of different things. You know, as far as like um, you know animal control and and that thing, you know, spaying and neutering. You know, Bob Barker, thank you, buddy. Yeah, um, spay and neuter your animals. Yeah, spay and neuter your animals. So I mean that that's causing a well, lot, of putting damage out there. And without okay, this would be maybe a good place to leave this conversation. Without actually you personally having to go out and shoot an animal, a cat, which is illegal anyway, probably in most states, it's going to be illegal. So what can you personally do to reduce those numbers? One, if you have a cat that isn't getting along with your family or other animals and you need to get rid of it, going down the street and dropping it off is not a good option in the same way that you should not dump your fish tank in the San Marcos or San Antonio River. Right. Um, And if you do dump it off, cut off its tail. That way it looks like a bobcat. And then people can shoot it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you have any outside cats that are like inside-outside combos, get them spayed or neutered. Yeah, get them spayed or neutered. Exactly. Yeah. And they're, they're doing it free. They're just driving up here today. They were doing one uh, down the street. You know, yeah. yeah. People were bringing their stuff in there. So it's yeah. like, it's not. Exactly. Just it's like take the have, pride. Yeah, it's not like you don't have the opportunity to do it. But, yeah. you know, the, the more the more and more people are letting stuff go and, and letting them run wild, it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. With the one exception of the, the one down there in Havana, the um, Hemingway's cats, they have like six toes. Okay, those are cool. Yeah. Those are cool. But uh, past that, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's needless stuff that falls on the owners to do. And now we're putting these situations where these things are occurring. And I could definitely see, like, quail populations going down because of house cats. And quail populations have been constantly going down. Well, I mean, there's right there. You have yeah. proof, proof in the pudding right yeah. there. Right. 
So I don't know. And That's I'd rather amazing. have quail than than cats than it's feral a, cats. Yeah. All cats. <laughs> but you won't shoot them. No. So but if know. I get, if I can snap my fingers, I feel like you you <laughs> I I feel like you do caveman style like buffalo push off a cliff, cat push off a cliff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like if there's, yeah, if there's. You'd a have cliff, to do it. You'd have to do it nine times though. Yeah. Well, I'm already scared anyway because <coughs> cats are always looking like they're conniving for something. Yeah, like, you and know, they're so always out like, to get you. I mean, yeah. What's not to say like they are the like actual like intelligent creatures? Yeah. I'm surprised he has not reacted at all because he already knows it. No, he's he's, he's to kill us. He's yeah. like, oh, they're 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 plotting. Stares against at me. you while you're asleep. Yeah. That's why I don't own a can. Plus, he knows that guy retracted a statement anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> he's he's already put it, put you down on his list. <laughs> put you down on his list. No, that's uh, awesome, man. That's a, that's a cool article, though. Yeah. All right, you guys got anything for us? You want me to go? Yeah, I'll go. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what you would what would you put this under. Is it neat? Yeah, it's it's just neat, huh? <laughs> so we've got uh, let's see, Governor Stitt likely to sign bill to make Oklahoma fishing hunting licenses valid for 365 days from the purchase date. Hunters and anglers will soon be able to buy fishing and hunting license that will be good for one year from the date of purchase. Looks like this is already passed as well. I, you know, I, I, I'm so used to getting my updated license every August, I think, or every September, yeah. I think, is when Yeah, I, last week, August. Yeah, first week, September. And, I, and I can't remember, like, what, you know, it's, like, just, you know, bird season coming, so it's, like, I know I'm already getting calls for stuff, so I can go and buy it, but yeah. I don't know. I, I do like I do like the, the 365. You know, that is nice. I can just get it. Like, maybe I'm, I'm not going to go dove hunting this year, and I, I don't know. I just hate wasting two months. Yeah. You know that you're you're because all this stuff isn't prorated right now. So you I think it's easier for the state and game wardens to manage if it's one date. And also, what happens if you're like have to get your license like in the middle of deer season or something? Because really, the hunting license sales like start at the beginning of hunting season, so you know you're covered. I almost prefer it like to be a set date. Yeah, you I'm, know what it is. <clears throat> the three sixty five thing doesn't really get me excited. It makes me more nervous that. I'm going to forget a license or something like that. Right. I'm going to forget the date I have to renew because like with fishing plus with, I mean with fishing, like you can fish all year round with hunting. There's these specific seasons that I don't need a hunting license in the middle of summer. You know what I mean? Like I guess unless you're like, you're hunting axes or something, but even then it's not like this set thing. Like, I don't know. It's tough. I feel like there's a lot of like, everybody knows like come August, Go get your license, right? Like every like that's like the talk of the town. The last week of August, first week of September, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of like our system. Yeah. I would not. I mean, I'm not opposed. If like they change the rule, it's not really going to impact my life that much. But I think we're so ingrained in the system and the way that it is, and I know what I need to do by the date I need to do it. Yeah. I know what I need to get, and like. Let's say they enact that rule and I buy my license on like September 10th because I waited 10 days past the date. Well, now it goes till September 10th the next year. So I have to remember that date, but I forget by two days and then it's September 12th. It's like, it's It's weird. It's weird. I like just like September 1st, even if I am like a couple days late, I know it's September 1st of next year. We're good. I know what the date is. I know what I need to do. Yeah, I don't know. I can see it both ways. I guess it's just depending on on like what it is you're always buying it for. But I can see too, like if you're if you're like a spring turkey hunter, you know, 
and you buy your license and you only want that. I mean, like for them, it might be nice to be able to buy yeah. a license at one point to carry on through kind of like they get a little bit more out of it, you know, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just, don't it's an interesting idea. And I don't know if there's like what problem they're trying to solve by it, you know. Yeah, I didn't really go into detail on what they're trying to solve other than just, you know, maybe make it a little bit easier. But there's got to be a reason. But also, they'll probably just act like kind of how we have a uh, data purchase fishing license here. It's like five bucks more. Maybe it's just a way for them to earn more revenue by saying, yeah, hey, like, day of hunting license or uh, uh, date of purchase hunting license. It could be a revenue thing. You I know, can actually see earn that. Earn five, ten bucks more for per license because you'll get a lot of people who will say like, Hey, I'm buying my license in November, but I'd rather have it for a year rather than ten months or eight months. So I'm gonna go ahead and pay that five bucks more, get a little bit more extension out of it. Yeah. You know. So I could see that. Yeah. What do you got for us, Zach? Ooh, I have a creature. Is it the one I sent you? Yeah. Nice. From my dad. From your dad. Yeah, so this week I have the beast of Gavouden? Gavouden? I don't know, it's French. Um, so it is a man-eating animal that terrorized the former province of Gavodan, consisting of the modern-day department of Lazure and part of the Hotelore. <laughs> Pretty close. As yeah. well Pretty close. as the Avarn and South Dordogne areas of France. In the mountains of south-central France, between what years? Between years, or we just pick a year? We pick a year. 1,781. Okay, and according to contemporary eyewitnesses, most say that it looks like a striped hyena, a striped wolf-dog, or wolf-dog hybrid. Um, victims were often killed by having their throats ripped out. Uh, the Kingdom of France used a considerable amount of money and manpower to hunt the animals responsible, including uh, the resources of several nobles, soldiers, royal huntsmen, and civilians. The number of victims kind of differs depending on the source, uh, but most say they're between 500 to 600 deaths, uh, around 610 attacks, 49 injuries. That's a lot of deaths claimed yeah. by this creature. And three years. I mean, so like this actually happened. There were three years where people were dying unexplainably. Because their throats were being ripped Exactly. Out. I mean, I would have gone with uh, Dracula, but these people think it was the Beast of Gavodan. Um. Let's see. There was a lot of animals and people, including children, who were killed. Uh, a lot of people finally said they killed the beast. And, uh, like, multiple people said they shot the beast and they killed it. And then finally the attacks stopped. Uh, reports may have been greatly exaggerated, kind of to growing that public hysteria. But most people explain and think that it was just a wolf-like creature uh, with a tail... Uh, and it takes huge strides. And have you guys ever actually like wolves are huge? Yeah, yeah, the proper ones. Yeah. Right. I've, like, I've I've been in Romania and seen them, and it's like they're it's, scary. It's like they're massive. Yeah. Like they're so much bigger than you would imagine. Yeah. yeah. And um, so that's probably most likely what it was. 
Um, let's see the fur. It's basically like get a greyhound and put like two hundred pounds on that thing. Yeah, and yeah, lots and hair. lots of hair yeah. and oh. huge teeth. Yeah, so that's kind of how it goes. So it's kind of you know pretty neat. That's a good creature. That's pretty neat. I like it. And also, I think uh, next week I might try a new thing. I uh, I find weird animals all the time, and Kindle can attest I'm fascinated by them, and they kind of creep me out. So next week I'm gonna start a segment. Of Zach's weird creatures. I don't know the actual name yet, but essentially it'll be... But these are real animals. Don't real like animals that geology. creep okay, me not, out okay. and weird me out because they are freaky. Like chickens so, with boobs. Like yes. chickens <laughs> with boobs. Or realistically, it's probably going to be a monkey who uses its hands to eat ice cream. Because that's weird. Why does a monkey need its hands to eat ice cream? So that's we were, what... We were driving back <laughs> after eating when we were together and we were eating at Popo's and we were driving back home uh-huh. and... and my wife had not heard the podcast yet, uh-huh. so I let her listen to the one where we were talking about the the chicken with the with the boobs. She's like, "What the hell are you guys talking yeah. about?" I was like, "Hey, these things existed." The like, greatest niche. Yeah, I don't know. What I'm saying. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. What I mean, it just it's these things existed. She thought that was the craziest thing in the world. I'm yeah, like, yeah, these, these are the real deal. So yeah, so I want to bring up real animals that weird me out. I like it. I like it. Nice. Yes. And Zach's facts. It kind of plays into the Zach's facts sort of thing. So. So okay, so a we need, on this. We need what? a. We need a. We need like a. Ca- Zach's facts. Yeah. Zach's facts. Or like needs to be fat. Like Zach's facts. Or like chimes. And just like the like the more you know star. Like <laughs> like that. So uh, so okay. More details about this. About the weird. So animals. you just like the way this animal is. Yeah, like, like naturally like scary, scary as hell. Yeah, it's just weird. You it's know. Weird. Okay. Exactly. I'm down. Have you guys ever seen Baby Monkey on a Pig? Yeah. yeah it's great. Okay, so you, you so that freaks you out. Maybe. Have you seen Baby Monkey on a Pig? I have not. Oh, man. He'll freak you out. out. Okay. He rides like a horse. So this is, this is like, this is like two, 2 a.m. TikTok video going through. Yes. Like, exactly. Exactly. Yes. exactly. Yeah. It can only go up. Awesome. It can only be great. Great. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to the pre-show and Zach's Facts. <laughs> and I hope you enjoy our interview with Pierce from WetNet Outfitters in Montana. And he runs Outfitter Service, and uh, he was an awesome guy to have on the show. So I hope you guys enjoy. Oh, I want hey, before that. I yeah. want to throw out a, a little uh, competitive thing, if we can. I will be more than happy to send a a listener uh, um, uh, a sticker pack if they can send us a video of them throwing a sock in the air and getting a bat to hit it. Oh man, I'm gonna enjoy those stickers so much. We will. <laughs> What kind of sticker pack are you put together for that? Whatever sticker pack we've got, I'd be more than happy to, to, okay. we to got it. We fund a sticker okay. pack to be given to said it, person it, who can show us videos. I'll yeah. call my dad. I'll have that video to you by Martin. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. No, no, no. So a current listener has to do it, mm-hmm. and it has to be a current video of yeah. them doing it, yeah. and we'll send them a sticker pack. And if you've and never done it, it's fun. Those yeah. sock in the or, air at night. We will send you a hat of your choice. Yeah, oh, yeah Ooh, I like a honey hole hat of your choice. Uh, or, or throw it on Instagram. Tag and, us in the video. Tag, us, tag in the video. us in the video. Honey and, hole angling. Yeah, uh, hashtag Zach's facts. Hashtag Zach's facts. And we'll see it done. Exactly. Or if yeah. you drop a chicken egg in the coop. I mean, it's a little grim, but. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with hashtag. the sock. <laughs> Before we get negative. Hashtag cannibalism. <laughs> cannibalism. Uh, chicken on chicken it, crime. That's dark. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I hope you all enjoy the interview.
Hey guys, this is uh, Landon and Zach here at the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. We got another great interview for you guys. We are sitting down and speaking with Pierce from Wet Net Outfitters. How are you doing, Pierce? Good. How are you today? Good. So to get us started, uh, where are you from? I'm a sixth generation Montanan. A sixth generation Montanan. Oh man, I got. I bet you got some opinions about that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some opinions, and I don't know if I'm allowed to share them. Oh, on you, the, you about the massive number of people moving there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Yellowstone. It's not an accurate portrayal um, to everybody that thinks that. That's what ranchers are like. Uh, maybe back in the day, sure, but no, not like that anymore. Yeah. My dad is not Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys aren't killing people every episode, you know, well, like every I mean, other I'm day. You're not going to admit to that on a podcast, <laughs> right? Gosh. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so... You're a sixth generation, so your your family has you guys traditionally a ranching family yep, in Montana. Yeah, we're on both sides of my family. We're historical cattle ranchers, so I'm sort of the bastard fisherman of the family. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and then where are you located at? We're in Livingston, um, so we're just east of Bozeman, okay, at okay. the northeast entrance of Yellowstone Park. So then, where where can you fly into? Bozeman. Okay. Yep. So we're Bozeman is the state's largest airport. Um, they've got direct flights from. Dallas, San Antonio, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, Newark, New Jersey, pretty much uh, every major hub has a direct flight into Bozeman now. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And then how far of a drive is it to Livingston? 20 minutes. Oh, oh that's, yeah. That's, that's yeah, nothing. no, it's really right over the hill. I've never I, mean. been, I've, I have flown into Bozeman plenty of times, but I've never been to Livingston. I didn't realize it was so close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a vibrant little town. It's it's certainly not uh, the big city lore of Bozeman, but it's a, a quaint little fishing community. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. So uh, how did you start fly fishing, Pierce? Uh, I got into fly fishing when I was probably 10, and my grandma used to pick me up from school, and we'd drive up to the Stillwater, and I'd take off with my, you know, I had a sage launch, and I'd take off upstream, and she'd sit in the parking lot and read, and I'd come back at dark. And all right, oh, let, that sounds like a great Let's go childhood. get an ice cream. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> awesome. awesome. Wor worst ways to, yeah. to fly fish. Yeah, and then you go get ice cream after. What yeah, a great, what a great childhood. <laughs> Damn. No. I don't think I got that. Yeah. yeah. No, that. it was a good time to grow up, that's for sure. That's awesome. So how did you get into the fly fishing industry? Yeah, so I started working uh, for East Rosebud Fly and Tackle when I was so oh, 14 and a half, 15 years old, yeah. um, sweeping the shop. And when I was 16, I turned into kind of his Sunday guy. Um, and I'd run the fly shop on Sundays and that led to guiding and one thing led to another. And now I'm an outfitter and running trips out of Livingston. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of trips do you guys do? Yeah. So we're a, a fully customizable outfitter. Um, you know, I, I sort of learned working for some lodges and working for some bigger outfits that, to try and get your guests to fit into one bucket when, um, you know, the old round peg square hole analogy, right? You know, you're clearly a square peg and I'm trying to shove you into a, a, round, a round hole uh, lodge program. That doesn't really work. So that's where we try and work with our guests and figure out, well, what type of fishing do you like to do? Um, if you're a hardcore dry fly angler, you're going to be pretty disappointed if you come out in March or April, but if you just want to catch fish and, and not see people, March and April are an awesome time to fish in Montana. Yeah. Uh, what waters do you guys have close by to you? 
Yeah, so uh, sort of the big names that are within the immediate vicinity are obviously the Yellowstone and the Madison. And okay. then we fish a lot of the smaller tributaries of the Yellowstone River, which would be like the Boulder, the Stillwater, the Shields. Um, and those are our medium-sized freestones that we actually float in rafts. Okay. Do you guys fish in the park at all? Is that an option? No, we don't fish in the park. Uh, you know, the issue is, is you'd meet people at Tower Falls Junction and you'd sit there for two hours and wait and they were caught in a bison traffic oh. jam and guides are leaving because they think their clients are stiffing them and on the no day and then you're getting and a call and where's my guide and well it's yeah. 12 o'clock where were you and yeah. yeah so we were in Yellowstone last my wife and I were in Yellowstone last summer and that's what we experienced oh, we we fished on the Madison outside of the Yellowstone cool but, uh but yeah, we you don't get anywhere on time. In no, the, in the park, so. <laughs> it's kind of got its own time program. It, <laughs> it varies does. a lot day to day. Yes, that's awesome. So we uh, dive into a little bit more about how you guys customize trips for people. Yeah. So um, so let's say I'm, I I want to go. Let, let's just take me for example. Let's say I want to go up to Montana and I want to do a trip. So like, how would you guys sell me on your service and like what you guys do? Well, so the best way to start out is um, it's really about your trip goals. And so I like to start out and, and basically ask, what's the best, best guided fishing trip you've ever been on and why? And you get them, you know, excited. And it's, oh, I like this for this, this, and that reason. And then you say, well, what's the worst trip you've ever taken and why? Yeah. And that's where it gets really interesting is it's like, okay, you know, that's something that, I would have never guessed is a disappointment to a client, or maybe I would have, you know, now I've, I've seen enough that yeah. he, you've heard it all at this point. And, and so um, from that, that sort of crafts the direction we're going to head, right? I mean, with an honest, you know, seven, eight month fishing season that's really available uh, to the public and is uh, of a high commercial standard where we're going to deliver a satisfactory trip, there is so much that we can go do. So then we go into a discussion about, well, what types of fishing do you like? Yeah. Um, you know, are, are you a boat fisherman? Do you want to stay in the boat? Do you want to uh, get out and wade fish a bunch? Do you like big rivers? Do you like small rivers? Because we have all these different options. Yeah. But it's about trying to put together when's the best time for you to see what you're really into at its peak. So if, if you're big into hopper fishing and you like small waters, that's a great time to sneak down the boulder or the Stillwater in a little raft. Well, um, you know, the Yellowstone might not be fishing as great in late August, but there are certainly options that are fishing good. And so we're going to center around that program and those fisheries because they're going to be at their peak for attractor dry fly fishing. And then we're going to fill in with other things that are also great and also unique to the area but maybe not at their absolute peak. And yeah. so it's, it's figuring out what fishery they really want to see at its peak and then adding options on that are also going to fit what they like and round out that trip and, and give you something different every day. And you said you're really focused on working within people's budgets as well, right? Making sure that the, whatever you tailor towards them is going to work for them. Absolutely. I mean, you know, lodging in Montana's there's a range to it, right? Everything <laughs> from the Roach Motel to the Ritz-Carlton. And yeah. so figuring out, you know, where you're at on that spectrum is is important because yeah. you do see all different budgets wanting to come to Montana yeah. and fish, and, and it is available to most people. Yeah. And then your outfitter does all the guiding 
for the, the for the float trips. Yep, yep, yep. So I've got one full time <laughs> employee, and then in Montana, it's sort of this hierarchical system where uh, guides have to work through an outfitter, and so then I work with a half a dozen independent contractors that will work for multiple shops throughout the summer, and these are guys that I trust and and know are going to be able to to deliver the product that that I've essentially sold you. Yeah. And you're only, your trips are only in Montana, right? You're not in any other states? Only in Montana. Yeah, we, we do a little bit of hosted travel down to Mexico okay. and, and go fishing for billfish because oh, yeah. I think the permit thing's overrated. <laughs> go um, catch something with a sword on the front of its face. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> we were talking to people on this trip that love permit fishing. Yeah, I know. Man. I'm like, man, we have like three people in a row. Like, permits their stuff, man. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> but it's funny. Everybody has their own preferences, oh, yeah, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. So there's a lot of fish out there. And, there, and that's what those permit that, right? guys would be happy that you're not going down there and chasing their fish. So, yeah, you, you know? can have them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have the temperament to be a permit angler. Yeah. I run a little too hot for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, Montana has a lot of blue ribbon uh, trout streams. I mean, we could go down a list. And I always like to ask guys from Montana, what is your favorite, not just on the waters you fish, but on all the waters that you have fished in Montana, what are your favorite rivers? Well, I mean, if I told you my favorites, I'd have to kill you. And <laughs> <dance the podcast. laughs> um, no, in general, you know, that, that Stillwater River is such a special fishery. I mean, just growing up and, and getting to experience that as a kid and, and – sort of grow up and and create a guide business around it is is really special yeah and so if if there's one river i like to show somebody it's it's a still water yeah and what makes a still water unique yeah like what do you love about it it's that well it's it's a it's multiple facets that make the still water such an intriguing river um you know the first is it's got a really robust insect population and so we see um, some smaller stoneflies in the springtime. We certainly see Mother's Day caddis. We see March browns, which for us is, is a really big mayfly in Montana. We don't have the eastern hatches of, of isos or coffin flies where you're getting consistent size 10 bugs on the water. So yeah. for us to see something that's a 14 or sometimes a 12 is, is really cool. And, and on a freestone fishery where we don't have the biomass that a tailwater does, uh, it doesn't take the number of insects on the surface to really get those fish you know, keyed in on taking adults. And so a sparse hatch on, on a smaller freestone is going to elicit a more uh, vibrant response from the fish. Yeah. Um, and then what fish, uh, what are you targeting on? on yeah. That so in Montana, we did something really cool in the 1980s, and we completely, we completely uh, quit stocking the rivers. And so all of our moving waters are wild trout fisheries now. I don't think I knew that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah so it's it's 100% wild fish, um, which is unique. It's it's one of the only places in the United States that, that really has that. And so um, we're mostly fishing for browns and rainbows. Yep. We've got some private water lease options where we're actually fishing for native Yellowstone cuts. Which I was going to ask because I yep. love cutthroat, man. I mean, that's our fish, right? You know, the Yellowstone cutthroat trout right. that lives in Yellowstone Park, whose historic range was all of these smaller tributaries. So to get onto some of them where we're up at the headwaters and to have the ability to go and target these 
these fish that have existed since before we introduced other fish to the systems. Yeah, and created cupos. Pretty unique. (laughs) Created cupos. It's the best of both worlds. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) It's a steelhead and a (laughs) cutthroat. That's awesome. So what uh, uh, do a lot of people want to come up and fish for cutthroat? Does that and that's I guess that gets into what you guys do as far as what you were talking about before building the sandwich. You know, you guys could tailor a trip to somebody that wants to do that, which would probably be me. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, you you certainly see the people that want to come up and cutthroat fish, and that's where it's nice is you know you can adjust and maybe we'll do two days on the Blackfoot, which is almost entirely a cutthroat fishery. I mean, yeah. it's it's one of the greatest attractor dry fly fisheries that that I know of. That's consistent right yeah that always has water that is always pretty dang good um but we generally don't see people that are coming up for a specific species um you get the guys down in wyoming that want to do the cutthroat slam and they start in jackson and end up down on the north plat and what the cutthroat slam what does that entail that's where they're catching uh all the different species of cutthroat in wyoming okay and so they're looking for a snake river and they're looking for a yellowstone cut and gotcha. so they're 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 hunting that that thing. So our grand slam is, you know, a, a rainbow trout, a brown trout, and a white fish. And the super slam, interestingly enough, is adding the cutthroat. Yeah. So got to give the white fish love, right? They're yeah. a Dave. <laughs> they're a day saver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, yeah. I always treat them with care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're still catching fish at the end yeah. of the day. Oh man. So okay. So I know what we were there early July last year, and I know that it quickly heated up. And that became a huge issue for uh, several of the guides. Um, did you guys notice that as well as far as, like, having to be off the water early enough? And Yeah. I mean, it was hard to miss, right? Yeah. Everything's brown. It, it yeah, looked like really. NASA could have faked the moon landing in Montana <laughs> last summer. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it affected our business a little bit. But what's nice about having that ability to go out and float these smaller freestones and, and having that specialty equipment is – um, they don't get hoot owled. Uh, they're what provide 120 miles of trout fishing on the Yellowstone River that's floatable. That's excluding the stuff in the park, right? So uh-huh. that's from Gardner uh, to just just to the east of Columbus is sort of where the historic trout fishing quits. That said, I I can tell you there's good trout fishing all the way through. Park City, depending on the time of year. Yeah. And so it limited our options somewhat, um, but it actually made some of these smaller freestones better because fish are moving out of the hot water, right? I don't want to be in this. I'm not really metabolizing. I'm uncomfortable. There's hardly any oxygen in the water, so I'm having to hold in in ultra-fast riffles where my metabolic rates are lower, so I'm expending energy, so I'm losing body condition. And so they're finding these cold water influences. And so these tributaries are running into the Yellowstone at 64 degrees, call it, which is still a a pretty good temperature for trout fishing. And then they're moving up the system and getting into water that's, you know, 60, 58 degrees. Because now we're in the high country, right? We're going up, you know. Uh, 30 feet every river mile, and so you're you're starting to see some elevation gain and some cooler water. Yeah. Have you floated the Smith River? I have. Yeah, I did it uh, last year, and I'm going again next year, and it is... So you liked it. Oh, dude. <laughs> dude. Any, yeah, yeah. What time of year did you go? We went June, mid-June. Nice. Yeah. So you got a really, Perfect. really nice permit. We actually... Uh, um, we actually 
Uh, they had low water on the Smith this year. Yep. And uh, we pushed off, and then that was kind of it. There you was were the, the last trip we down. We were the last, one of the last trips down. I think some guys came down like a day or two after us. They were like a day or two behind us. But like after that, you know, people stopped running trips because the water was so, so low. low. The fishing was great, though. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's really like it's, it's, it's a crapshoot. Oh, you yeah. know, even mid June is not a guarantee. Even though that's kind of what everyone says is prime dates. For. You you never know. Like it could be high water, and so. Um, but yeah, man, I. I, I love that's one of the best trips I've ever done, and I've done some cool stuff, and I I just love that river. Like just being in the canyon is so sweet. Yep. The seclusion away from yeah. it all. Yeah. Right? Nobody wants to come to Montana and be around a bunch yeah. of people. Do you guys do any uh, overnight trips? Not necessarily. Um, you know, we do have lodging partners, right? Yeah. Um, but y'all so don't that's do any an overnight trips. in a sense. No, no camping. Yep. I mean, gosh, you don't want me cooking for you, right? <laughs> You're glad I'm getting a deli sandwich yeah. for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Red meat, maybe. Yeah. You know, that's who you want to eat red meat from <laughs> as a Montana kid. <laughs> well, cool, man. Um uh, anything else you want to tell us about your operation? I, what else do you want to know? No, anything, mean, gosh, man. Yeah. You know? No, it sounds really cool. Uh, and it sounds like you guys do a good job of, like, customizing trips and um, having lodging. It sounds like you have lodging partners so you can, you know, book people at those lodges and then take them out fishing. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's really the core of what we do, right? Everybody's got to stick to what they know and what they're good at because – um, you know, you, you wouldn't want me in a profession that I'm not great at. And so for us, the fishing is what we really excel at. And so we're, we're able to put people in a lodge that they're going to be happy at right. and that's going to be satisfactory and up yeah. to their standards and then take them and exceed their fishing expectations on the river. That's, that's what we do. Oh, I got a good question for you. Yeah. What are some of your coolest wildlife encounters you've had on Ooh, the river? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good, good question. I've got some good wildlife stories. Um, Probably the best and my favorite because I've got a whole series of pictures of it is I was fishing with a gentleman from Japan a couple of years ago on the Madison and we came around a corner and I saw this kind of big brown thing out of the corner of my eye and I said, huh, odd place to pasture some horses. And so we floated around the corner and this mama moose and her calf waded out into the river and they just stopped they froze like deer in the oh, headlights man. except i don't have headlights i'm in a damn drift boat uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so we're coming down and i am back rowing and then yeah. i'm like wow i need to get my phone out and take pictures of this <laughs> you know <laughs> for insurance purposes yeah. in case something crazy happens and yeah. so i i mean i'm just kidding you know i don't think anything bad was going to happen and and i've got pictures of this moose standing in in Shoulder deep water on her, and if you've never seen a moose, they're a lot taller than any yeah. horse you've ever looked yeah. at. I mean, they are big critters, and it's standing up to its shoulders in in the Madison, and we're in a small side channel. Um, we're we're floating a section of the river called the Channels, and and it's basically the Mississippi Delta, the Nile Delta, uh, shrunk down to a thousand cfs, and it's got trout in it. So it's it's a really really fishy place. And it was really difficult to explain to the guy what I just saw because he didn't speak English. You know, oh, here he, wow, he okay. could have reached out and touched the moose with his fly rod. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'm a little shook up. Wait, yeah. so how did you, how did you guide a guy if you, uh, if you guys couldn't communicate very well? Yeah, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it becomes a question of 
sort of watch me. Um, now you try it. Lots of hand gestures, yeah. you know, yeah. for the folks at home. I'm mending in the air right now, if you can imagine <laughs> what that looked like. Yeah. And, and so it's a lot of nonverbal communication. Yeah. yeah. Which is, is, is an interesting way to fish, you know, to get out on the water and to share eight hours with somebody and two hours in the truck and never really say a word. But uh, to show them something that I think was satisfactory mm -hmm. um, is, is pretty cool. So I actually took a, a blind man fishing a number really? of years ago okay. on the bighorn. Oh, yeah, that's completely awesome. blind. But he could hear, so you could tell him left side of the boat, right side yeah. of the boat, and, and he could, you know, stretch his arms so he knew if he had 15 feet of line out or so, and so yeah. we'd get into these things that we call row-arounds, which is where you're floating down a run, you're able to set up on it right, so I get the boat in, in the correct lane, and I know he's going to make a 15-foot cast, a 20-foot cast, and then I'm telling him, men downstream, men downstream. And I'm speeding up the boat, catching up to everything, yep. taking the tension off that indicator. And we're dropping our flies down into the spot. And then you go yep. hit him and he'd and set the like hook. Set and and he'd fight him and, and he could cast and fish. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, trout fishing was something he learned to do after he lost his sight. Yeah. So that was that was pretty cool. Oh, that was one of the, really cool. the best moments in fishing I think I've ever had. I yeah. bet. Yeah, that's a tough story to beat. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Yeah, you have any other good fishing stories? <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah, I've, um, yeah, gosh, I've got some fishing stories. I'm not sure they're suitable for Oh, the no, air. they're suitable. <laughs> yeah. They're oh, suitable. Yeah. You can tell it, and if we need to take it off, we, <laughs> we, can, take it we off. can always do Yeah. That. I had uh, two Texans in my boat one yes. time. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a good one, I can already tell. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, they, uh, they, were, they were fans of the drink. They liked to drink uh, when they came yeah, out and fished. Right. And, uh, good guys, you know. Again, I can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> it was getting a little hot out there, and, and so this guy, guy starts stripping in the back of my boat whoa okay i turn around and look back and he's literally sitting in his his white socks his underwear and his <laughs> cowboy hat on oh <laughs> my god oh, man that's great yeah so uh i've got a shirts must stay on in the boat policy now that <laughs> everybody everybody signs you know a, a disclaimer when they come out and that's one of them i agree to leave my clothes on <laughs> <laughs> You, you don't think so you what happened is rule? you have to be like, dude, what, you need to put your clothes on or like... I mean, you know, it, it's it's <laughs> uh, customer service, right? If, if that's really your idea of a great trout fishing trip and that's one of your goals is to sort of tan your whole body, you know... <laughs> <laughs> We'll do our best to find a guide that's amenable to your conditions. In the moment, you're like, <laughs> okay. but yeah, it's like, well, I guess it wasn't in the disclaimer before. Now it yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, oh, my gosh. That's great. that's great. So before the podcast, you mentioned that you have a Chupacabra story. Yes, yes. you did. I yes, do want to hear this. I Unless do. it was a joke. But it's, it's a personal sighting. It's a personal sighting. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to get to travel and fish a little bit. And, and one of the first destination trips I ever took was to go fish the Louisiana Marsh, right? Uh -huh. this, is, this is when Greg Deeney's doing all the cool videos and stuff and, and really at the forefront of, of what that fishery's become. And so we get out there and, and we're fishing the outside, as they like to call it, which means we, we probably ran about an hour from the Hopedale Marina just to start fishing. Mm -hmm. And so we were we were way on the outside and we're pulling this this uh, lee, uh, the lee side of a, an island out there. And we look up and, and we see this giant black animal running through the marsh. And we 
reeled up, jumped on the motor and drove around and, and we couldn't find it. But I mean, it was, I've seen some wolves in my life and it was a wolf sized four legged animal out there cruising around and moving. Uh-huh. And so I don't know what that was. And, and it would be one thing if we were, you know, near the backwoods where they do all that gator hunting, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have been one thing if we were in the swamp, but we were way out there in the marsh. So, okay. I have a couple theories. I'm going to run them by you and I want you to tell me what you think. So it wasn't a nutria rat. No, no, no I've seen them. Yeah. Cause the <laughs> nutria rats are pretty big for a rat. You right. know what I mean? They're like, no, you know, but they're like raccoon a beaver. size. Yeah. They're like a beaver yeah. size yeah, yeah. animal. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So run much bigger than your, that. Okay. Much bigger okay. than that. Not a dog. Not at all. What about a wild hog? Because I have been fishing in Louisiana and seen wild hogs in the marsh. All right. So there you go. You know, maybe the chupacabra doesn't doesn't exist. I'm not not saying it doesn't. I would like to hold to my convictions and think that I saw something truly rare. Yeah, it was Um, chupacabra. I'm with you. If Sasquatch Hunter's on here or any of those shows (laughs) on Animal Planet, I work for a very reasonable rate, and I'd love to make a TV appearance. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's great, man. Uh, any other cool either wildlife stories or client stories? Because we love those, man. We, do. we love the clients. Stories. Any other so good guys, Texas client stories? You guys stories? should do one. Oh, th- the people of Texas, I love them. There's a reason <laughs> I'm at the Texas show. Yeah, you know, they're, they're great folks. You know, They generally seem to align with us Montanans. Um, cool wildlife stories. Gosh. You know, it's it's sort of like uh, seen a lot of osprey take fish out of the river, <laughs> mm-hmm. seen a lot of birds caught in a heavy hatch. You know, you'll get the mud swallows and, and you'll actually be casting. I see this a lot with the trichos That happened to especially. us on uh, the Smith. You know, yep. we were throwing flies out and these uh, they were just coming down and they would never like eat it, but they would try to pick it up. And sometimes they pick it up a couple feet and then drop it. But it kept happening over and over and over. It's kind of cool to see. Yeah, I was anchored up one day and... Um, you know, there's, there's bears around, right? You know, they love rivers because there's, there's so much trash and, and dead fish and just different things to eat, you know, your sandwich tomatoes and whatnot. And my guy turns around and he says, there's a bear right there. And I said, there is a bear right there. <laughs> <laughs> and this bear was maybe 20 yards up the bank from us. And I said, oh, we'll make a little noise. He'll run in the bushes. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Well, this bear keeps walking and I mean, he must have got six yards away, and I'm <laughs> pulling at up the anchor. Point, and probably, to get out of there and it's moving like, at that point. That's a damn bear. I don't want him in the boat. <laughs> was it a black bear? It was a black bear. It was a black yeah, bear. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we we don't get. I mean, there's certainly grizzlies around, but we're not really in an area where we see a lot of grizzly bears. I mean, that's certainly more of a park thing. And like I said, you know. Well, there was a uh, man, while we were on the Smith, there was a grizzly bear attack. No way! Um, not what? Not from our group. It had happened like. Um, Is that the one that happened in the town? It happened. It was a tent attack. That's right. And it was like it happened while we were on the trip, and I think it was like forty-five miles north of us, basically. Gotcha. But it like made big news, and yeah. I think somebody had died. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. we uh, covered it on the podcast. Um, but I think it was cyclists that were doing like a cross country cycle oh, trip, sure. and they had like set up a tent, and you know, bear got curious and why everyone was sleeping, and um, but got to watch out for him, man. Got to watch out for yep. him. No, I got a bear dog, so you have what does that mean? A you bear have a, dog. A bear dog. A bear dog. Like a yeah. dog that's like for fighting bears. Like that chases them up trees. Oh, oh really? Yeah. yeah. Well, so I, she's a border collie Catahoula, so she's okay. a cow dog, right? Yeah. Yep. 
So she'll bite a 2,000-pound bull on the nose and spin him around and then bite him on the ass. <laughs> so she's not afraid of much, you know, a little 35-pound dog, and, and you'll be out riding, moving cows, and uh, they'll find bears, and they'll run bears up trees. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I take my dog wade fishing, you know, because she'll keep moose away. She'll keep bears away. Kind of watch your back. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's a live animal. I'm going to go bite that thing and yeah. show it who's boss. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> smart. It's a good idea. So if you had to do or die uh, by one fly for the rest of your life, uh, what fly would that be? For, for let's just say, Montana, the waters you're fishing in Montana. Yeah, yeah. Only fish you, one fly. One fly for the rest of your life. Gosh, how many times have you guys heard a black bugger? Yeah, you know. That one, we don't ask the question very much, but, yeah, like a black, I could totally understand why you would say a black bugger. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, a, a black bugger is about the fishiest thing ever created, yeah. and, you know, its origins are kind of interesting, and what it's evolved into, it's, it's pretty neat to see that virtually – um, every streamer we fish is some variation of a bugger with a deer hair head or craft fur head or, yeah. Yeah. you know, Senyo's laser dub, whatever you like for yeah. head material, but they're Different all just tail. Yeah. marabou tail and some sort of schlop and webby yeah. fiber to give it a little bit of bulk. Yeah. Yeah. Great choice. Well, cool, man. Anything else you want to say before we before we end our show? Thanks a bunch, guys. It was yeah, a pleasure was getting to do a podcast. If people want to book a trip, and uh, yeah. what's the best way to do that? Yeah, find my contact info on my website. It pops up about every five seconds you're there. It's pretty easy to get in touch and with me. And your website is wetnetoutfitters.com. Yeah, easy enough. Super easy to get on there. And, and for folks that are interested in coming to Montana, I've got a section on there called Learn. And basically, I've gone through month by month and kind of talked about some of our fishing options throughout Southwest Montana and and what that looks like. Because you bring up March in Montana, you bring up April in Montana, and you sort of get this glazed over look of, wow, y'all must be in some snow. Yeah. And that, that couldn't be further from the truth. So the neat thing about Montana is our snow is at about 8,000 feet. That's really where our snowpack is. But a lot of the rivers we physically fish are at about 3,000 feet. And so we've got quite a variation in terms of climate and daytime temperatures. And so in March in the valleys, I mean, a a 50, 60 degree day is is commonplace. That's what we see. That's a nice day. And so, yeah, you know, you're wearing your puffy jacket, but the sun's out, the fishing's good. They haven't seen flies in in the better part of three, four months on these free stones. And so we're finding some some pretty good fishing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, Pierce, thanks for coming on. We yeah, really appreciate it. Was a it. pleasure, guys. No, oh, I yeah. hope to do it again. And oh, yeah. yeah. And Hopefully. we'll put your stuff in the show notes, too. That way people who are on the show can just click uh, your website right there and take Perfect. it right to yeah. them. Perfect, yeah. Wow, you make it easy. Yeah. Try to. <laughs> try to. What do, I owe, try to. what do I owe you for this? <laughs> <That's really laughs> good, hey, this take us great. fishing. Yeah. <laughs> take a, t- yeah, take us. We'll go catch some Yellowstone Cutthroat. We'll do uh, We'll do a uh, uh, live show on the river. Hey, that we'll, sounds yeah, good. Yeah, and we'll do go in person. All we got to do is take a battery. We can make it work. Car battery. We can Maybe make we it can work. Make Perfect. It. We can put a car battery in your drift boat, and we'll do a live show on the river. On the river. We'll even uh, pull the Texas Classic. We'll strip down to our skivvies and, yeah. you know, give Perfect. you good memories. We have not done a stripped version of the podcast yes. yet. <laughs> no, I mean, it's sort of like naked and afraid fly fishing. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Perfect. Naked and afraid fly there fishing edition. Sure. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I think uh, I think I'll keep the naming rights to it and I'll yeah. let you boys run with the show. Yes. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. Sounds perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you, Pierce. Well, uh, awesome, fellas. Thank you. Yeah. 
Bye.